0: The Creative Exchange podcast is all about celebrating the artistic process on Cape Cod and connecting creatives. That's right, Julie. And as part of that,
1: we'd like to invite you to a Creative Exchange live event here at the Cultural Center of Cape
0: Cod in South Yarmouth. On May 30th, 2019, at 5.30, Amy and I are bringing back some of this season's guests for a live panel discussion. Come connect with other listeners, meet podcast guests, and celebrate the arts community. Mark your calendars
1: and visit artsfoundation.org slash creative exchange for details and updates. See you there. See you there.
0: This podcast has been underwritten by Cape Cod Healthcare because investing in the arts creates a healthier community.
2: Welcome to the Creative Exchange Podcast, a series of elevated conversations with Cape Cod creatives. This project is a collaboration between the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod and Provincetown Community Television, recorded at the Night Owl Recording Studio at the Cultural Center of Cape Cod in South Yarmouth. It is an ode to the artistic process and its unique manifestation here on Cape Cod, seeking to reveal the successes, challenges, and experiences of local artists. Above all, it is a reminder that arts matter in our community. Welcome to the Creative
1: Exchange Podcast. I'm Amy Davies, the Executive Director of Provincetown Community Television.
0: And I'm Julie Wake, the Executive Director of the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod. Continuing our exploration of the process on this episode, we're speaking with visual artist and activist Joe Diggs about the process of connecting
1: through art, Joe has a master's of fine art from Mass Art and uses his work as a means to address racial and social inequities as well as reflect on the romantic aspects of his own life as an African American man in his fifties pursuing his dreams. Joe is represented by Berta Walker Gallery in Provincetown. Welcome, Joe.
3: Thank you.
0: So, Amy, what do you want to learn today? There's lots of lots of uh, good topics here. There are. Um, I would like to learn. Um,
1: What is your process of, of taking things in, in your everyday life, in your memories, and incorporating them into your work, especially with the abstract aspects of your work, and how do you bring that
0: together? And Julie, what would you like to learn today? Well, I'm really interested in Joe's work as an artist and challenging cultural narratives um, you know, shifting imagery and inspiring emotions in a way that traditional um, political method, methods uh, rarely do. Uh, but through his work, he's really been uh, pushing the story. And um, so I want to talk, talk a little bit about mm-hmm. that. Wonderful. Welcome. Welcome, Joe. Welcome. Well, thanks for having me. All right, let's, just... let's jump right in. Okay. All right. So tell us a little bit about, you know, where you do your work, where you, you know.
3: Well, I live in Austerville. I live down in Austerville. Um, and I live on three ponds. Well, I live on Micah's Pond. Uh, there's three ponds that are connected uh, in the little village of Austerville. And uh, so a lot of my work is because of where I live. I mean, I just really look out my window every day and it's just so beautiful. It has to be Captured, so I try to capture a little bit of that light or a little bit of whatever. That's why I, that's really, really where it comes from.
0: Yeah, and um, I'm sure a lot of people are are wondering if you are the you know related to um, the Diggs family that was responsible for that amazing venue. What was it called again?
3: Joe Swinbill. Joe Swinbill. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's my that was my grandfather, Joe Gomes. Actually, uh, okay. He was, uh, yeah, first. Cape Verdean man of color to have a license in uh, the town of Barnstable. Uh, License number was 13 in the state of Massachusetts. Uh Uh, And uh, so Joe's Twinville is a great place of, you know, kind of a local institute that uh, a lot of great famous people came to and a lot of local yokels partied Mm -hmm. up and got together. It's fabulous. Mm -hmm.
0: And I asked that, Amy, because I've noticed some of his artwork reflects uh, the villa.
3: I've been painting a lot <laughs> about the villa. Actually, we have a show coming up in August uh, at the Katuit Center for the Arts, uh, August 3rd, uh, which is going to highlight all the work that I've been doing with Joe's. Uh It's a, it's a love, uh, I'm not going to call it hate, it's a love disappointment type of show. Uh, is was the greatest job I've ever had to be able to follow my grandfather's footsteps and you know, and so it was the saddest, one of the saddest days of my life when when I had to close the doors. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, and now watching it fall apart is even even more painful, and it's right around the corner. So, mm-hmm. so the the artwork has a lot to do with uh, the joy and the pain, but it also I think ultimately says something about beauty. I mean, beauty is not always here forever; it's kind of fleeting. So, so it kind of reminds me of life and keeps it in the cycle of what I'm doing with my artwork.
1: Mm-hmm. And so how do you—is uh, it about feeling more than representation when you're making a work like that?
3: I think the best work has both, and, and it finds a thin line to kind of orchestrate both of them, if that makes sense. Uh, the work has to kind of—it's got to get you emotionally. Or it's, there's no need of doing it. Uh, but then on the other side, if it's all emotional— then it doesn't have enough tie to keep you with it. So it's my hope as an artist to try to make it so that when you leave, the piece stays with you. So try to find multiple ways to kind of sneak in, not just through the front door, but through the side and through the back door. You know, mm-hmm. So it keeps, keeps in your memory. kind of stays in your heart, I hope. Hmm. That's what I hope.
0: Yeah.
1: So um, on your... If, On your statement, it's your artist statement, you wrote, To me, painting is magic. Images appear out of nothing. Blobs of color transform themselves into a new meaning. And so how that makes me think that you're approaching the canvas maybe with a a notion of what you want, but with a freedom to let the paint sort of speak?
3: Yes. So
1: can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. You know, the
3: process is... um is it's very in, it's very individual. I mean, as everybody's processes, but um, with my situation, uh, I work multiple ways at one time. So there might be a landscape happening, there might be a Joe's piece piece going on, and you know maybe something else that has a very highly politicized situation. And then usually there's a just something that has nothing to do with anything. So that there's times when I can go and I can kind of just push it around, and feel happy with just having the aesthetic appreciation of moving paint around and then there's other ones when it's time to settle down and really kind of figure things out and then there's the other line of political stuff where I need to be somewhat sensitive about the people who are watching it and the viewers as well as trying to make my own personal statement so I don't know if I actually answered your question but I think it, you take all those kind of issues and you find at one point where you can combine them all mm-hmm. and when I learned when I when I combine them that's when the magic happens you know. That's how I feel.
0: Tell us more about that um you know, you, you mentioned the political piece and the narrative to mm-hmm. some of your work and what is the process of that because and and what is the what is the um you know, are the arts using art for social change, like how do you process that? And I know that, you know, there's been a lot of that happening, which is an amazing um social movement through mm-hmm. the arts right now. Mm-hmm. And so talk a little bit about that process. What moves you and then how does it extend into your your work?
3: Well, uh, the, Julie, a couple of things happen here. One is um, it's not a new movement. It's not a, it's a very old movement, mm-hmm. actually. You're right. Extremely old. Um, the, the injustices done to black and brown people have been since we've been to this country. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm not really doing anything that a lot of other artists haven't done in the past. I'm just mm-hmm. trying to find my special way of delivering it. But more importantly, I think, it is, is to understand that, that now things have changed. The, the, the change that's, that's out now is that the voices are getting out and being heard more. So therefore, now it seems as though you know in this pl- high, highly politicized time that, that you know, something new is happening. But mm-hmm. nothing new is happening, truthfully. Right, uh, you're that, so right. You know, yeah. uh, you know, and so when I look at the big picture, I said, okay, I need to put a little bit of this out. But am I not following and being part of the problem if I continue to only show this part of who I am? I mean, and the other thing is, I don't want to be mad with everybody in the world. I don't want to go around and be angry. So there's a point of d- departure where you need. Um, at least I need. So that's why I have those other venues of painting because mm-hmm. they're, they're necessary. I'm not going to call them strictly therapeutic, but they are but you a feel chance a personal... for me to get away from yeah. the direct attack of mm-hmm. always. Because I live in Lily Osterville, So, right. you know, there's there's no doubt that I am not. I'm an outsider in my own town, my own village. Mm-hmm. And I'm, and there's no doubt that I grew up as an outsider in my own world. I mean, that's kind of how I've always felt. And I now it's just personified by everybody saying yes you are an outsider in your own world and Mm -hmm. if you think about being an african-american you know we're not african and we're not really american Mm -hmm. so so Mm -hmm. think about how that all works out so uh it's interesting it leaves me a lot of areas where i can work it's fertile ground for an artist and i just like to toil it and i'm going to I'm going to soil, uh, we'll reap the soil afterwards. We'll see what comes out of it and hopefully, uh, it'll make the world a little bit of a better place.
0: Yeah. So yeah. it's a personal kind of responsibility that you feel.
3: I'm trying to feel less personally, you know, responsible. Yeah. Okay. Um, and what I'm learning now is that, you know, the, the forefathers of African-American artists and mothers, I should say, because I do mm-hmm. not want to, you know, not put some of the wonderful female artists that, that, that contributed and continue to, uh, that really the bottom line is, is that I don't have to carry this burden anymore, um, which, is, which has actually freed me up to really say exactly what I want to say now mm-hmm. instead of what I feel like I had to say before. Mm. I don't know if that makes a whole lot of sense, but that's the truth of it all. Now I feel as though, you know, because the Jack Wittons, because of all, I mean, we can go on for a long time with the names mm-hmm. of people who have, who have written about it and, ta- mm-hmm. and talk about it and painted it all. Why do I have to do it? You know, am I not regurgitating the same thing so that everybody becomes more desensitized about what, we, what we're going through? Or maybe I should just show them how wonderful my life is, you know, as so that's where bra- proud to be an American came in. You know, what I mean, because I am proud to be an American, you know, but I'm not proud of what America stands for right now. But that doesn't mean that I'm not proud. I don't want to live anywhere else. I'm very happy to, to be yeah. here, you know.
0: Yeah, I just so, want to interject for one sure. sec that. Um, that, Joe, you have a show, you're currently showing at the Brattle, Brattleboro Museum through June 16th, and the show is called Proud to be American. Mm-hmm. And so, can you tell us a little bit about that show?
3: It's the second iteration uh, okay. of the Proud to be American. I actually was fortunate enough to uh, to show this before at the Kituat Center for the Arts when James Wolfe was, was uh, the director. I was allowed to have this opportunity. So, this is the second time I've shown it, and uh, but it's updated it started in you know so the same problem like i was saying you know i mean this is a historical issue so uh i went through a time when i decided i was going to kind of journalize all the black americans that were killed in you know by police officers or whatever for for a while and then after the numbers got to such a huge number i could I was like you can't do it you know it's well you can do it but you'll be doing this for the rest of your life decided that that's not the way to do about go about it mm-hmm. and i happened to be in ac moore one day and uh and I, I looked up and I saw there was a, a stencil of an American flag. And then on the stencil, not only was it a flag, it said, proud to be an American and God bless America. And I started thinking, well, what exactly does that mean? What does it mean, proud to be American? What does it mean? How And why are we just plastering proud to be an American? Why are we plastering God bless America all over? Not everybody in America believes in God. I mean, you know, I'm mm-hmm. just so I just right. was just thinking about everything and saying to myself, Wow, you know, what's what the propaganda, what's going on here? How does how mm-hmm. is how is this relate to me? And then question, are you proud? And I am I am proud. I'm mm-hmm. proud. I mean look at us. We're here sitting here having a conversation on on art and things and mm-hmm. how 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 lucky are we? We're, when there's people lucky. all over the world who just mm-hmm. don't have these opportunities, who don't who don't have voice. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to get my voice out.
0: Mm. So is how are are you the only artist in the show, or is it a combination collaboration?
3: I at the Kituut show at the, the Brattleboro. At the, well, at the Brattleboro, uh, there are six individual shows okay. happening right now, um, and they're all fantastic artists. I'm just, oh, cool. uh, I'm okay. one of six that very proud to be a part of that. Yeah, That's a, yeah, it's a fabulous place. So, if you get a chance to get to Brattleboro, please drop in. I look yeah, forward.
0: Yeah, I'm to, dying to do that. Just,
1: so, um, you you are living where? Well, you were born in France. Yeah. I read it in mm-hmm. your your bio, mm-hmm. and you've traveled with work.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, I was a flight attendant for fifteen yeah. years.
1: Get yeah. out! That's
3: yeah, crazy, isn't it?
1: And so that <laughs> must really change your perception of people, oh, yeah. the good and the bad. Oh yeah. Oh. And yeah. so, how does that uh, change how you uh, approach your your artwork and and? Just dealing with, I mean, just in general, I'm kind of interested in how it changes your, how you deal with people. You know, I'm sure you have a higher tolerance for annoyances than Julie and I. <laughs> well, you know, it's
3: it's it's strange. I've been dealing with the public for a while. So you learn, you learn your own set of skills because of it. Um, but uh, they both lend to each other. Uh, when I, when I stopped working as a flight attendant, well, I, let's put it like this, sorry. So when I was, the 15 years that I flew, I continued to paint. And then the last five years of flying, I actually started working at Joe's Twin Villa as well. So I was controlling, I was kind of handling all three um, businesses at one time. And then I ended up buying my father's business in Osterville, where I live now. It's Micah's Pond Summer Rentals. And so, um, so I was handling all of those at, at the same time. So it gave me what, what the, uh, this job allowed me to do was to learn how to multitask pretty well and to deal with people at the same time. Mm-hmm. And also it gave me a different perspective of life when you're flying, you get to look down on everything, which is a whole different mm-hmm. way of looking at things. And when the st- when the sun comes up, you know it's a different direction. It's mm-hmm. everything's much different. So, I, and it really kind of worked with my whole way of putting art together. So I thought, well, great. You know, you, you put up, you grab a little bit of this, you put a little bit of that in it, mix it together, and you have this wonderful base. And that's kind of what started started the whole Joe Villa series.
1: Working and living on the land that you grew up Ooh. on. Uh-huh must be interesting i i um i moved from my childhood home and it since has burned down which is a strange thing no one was hurt thankfully but i don't have that even to drive by anymore Mm -hmm. so uh when people say that you know they live where they grew up it's really kind of like oh i I know it's so special sounds
3: romantic um it is (laughs) somewhat it's pretty painful too uh yeah um, in my family uh it's it's been three generations, mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, it's just a gorgeous piece of property. I mean, it's it's tucked back in the woods, and it's it's just beautiful. Uh, the good part is that it's still with us. The bad part is that uh, the rest of Osterville has grown and is worth a whole lot of money. For whatever reason, my little piece of the woods just stays to be a little piece of the woods. So, you know... Mm. Um, well, that's good you... for tax purposes, oh, right? <laughs> and that's about it. <laughs> but uh, I'll let you think about that one for a little while. Yeah. That's the way it is, uh, and not the way I like it. But it's the way it is. But the the grounds are still pristine. We still have trails all through the through oh, the nice. woods. Uh, mm. We still the the ponds are all still good fresh water. You can swim and uh, occasionally skate or whatever on them if it's cold enough. And uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's wonderful. But I have to constantly be careful about working through that because there's a certain amount of just. Um, Nostalgia—that you know—I think usurps your your art. You have to be careful. Mm-hmm. I mean, it gets cliche. It gets a little. So I, I I constantly try to work my way through those issues because you know the property can almost hold you back. I don't think property was ever—you know—this is me thinking. I I, yeah. I don't think property was ever meant to stay with one person too long. I think mm-hmm. um because. It might be a blessing that your house is, you know, because it forces you to move on. It forces you to, to, to look at life in another, you know, and it's just a, everything has got a time. It's got a yeah. beginning, a middle, and an end. And it makes you, it forces you to realize that. And uh, so sometimes I get stuck. I get stuck there realizing that, man, I still have to pay this mortgage? Well, maybe you don't. <laughs> you know? So
0: when you say that it it it's challenge, it challenges you, are you talking about your work that sometimes when you go to paint or, you know, start creating something that because you're so familiar with the land and it's been there for so long that it's challenging the way you interpret things yes. that maybe you don't look as deeply as you would if it was a new space.
3: Yes, that's that's part of it. I think the other part of it, too, is that your emotionally your connection is is so deep uh-huh. that you feel like you're story is a more important story than anything else and it isn't you know your property and your growing up is just as important to you as mine is to me so it's kind of keeping everything in a, a little bit in under control when it because you need that when you're when you're yeah. art, when you're when you're making pieces if you start off right away over fantasizing over politicizing then you really have nowhere to go you, you, you know you need to build up to it it's it's a slow crescendo it's you know it's, yeah. it's cooking a base and then building it up to, to actually so when you say easy. you
0: ho- have to hold yourself back sometimes mm-hmm. from that tell me more about that I'm really interested in that oh. like how you are like you mentioned
3: <laughs> well there's, there's a constraint I mean you know yeah. so so yeah for I'll, I best way to say it is how my process so I'll get up in the morning I get up around 7 o'clock and I'll get coffee made and I'll go back to the studio and there's a specific light at 7 o'clock that lasts till about Yes, yeah, eight thirty. So I have like an hour and a half to kind of mm-hmm. get it on and kind of. T- so it makes me every morning because I I have a daily practice. It makes me every morning kind of really look specifically, and with that you know it's never the same from day to day. And mm-hmm. I'm painting the same painting, so mm-hmm. those paintings continue to change. The levels, the the layers of paint change, and then and it's more of a I don't paint it really for a finished product as much as I paint it because. It's necessary for me to paint. This is part of my process.
0: So the same so, thing. What do you mean? You paint the same thing. You paint the light.
3: I paint the landscape. The landscape. And the, and the light oh, okay. changes. You know, the, of course, the light comes is is somewhat consistent, but it changes. The colors change every day and every okay. minute. So some days, um, you know, I'll come out and it's a gray day, and I'll start off with a gray painting. And then the next day, I have a bright sunny day, and so the bright blue goes over top of the gray. And you know, so yeah. and every day I approach it as a, a as a brand new painting. I don't. Approach it like it's a like it's a you know like it's a white canvas like every, every day. Just here we are. We're starting again. Wow. From
0: so that reminds me of um, and I think I, I think I bring her name up and almost I, we're going to have to interview her but Mary Mo Quinn
3: she's a fellow she's a, she's a fellow she's artist she's yeah we, yeah. we went to the, we went to the same school uh, you know same undergrad and yeah. yeah she's a hell of a painter oh amazing so, yes.
0: and, and yes, so yes. I'm always fascinated uh, aren't you Amy with like just the patience and the the ability to really observe the same thing but see things differently and see the beauty or the pain or any emotion that's like between the those hours that are different from the next you know it's just it's fascinating she's much more
3: patient than i am yeah much more (laughs) Uh, you know uh, there's no way i'm building little marquettes and setting up lights (laughs) no way and and so there's the difference i i actually am very hands-on uh if if one thing's not working, I just push it away. As, as a matter yeah. of fact, when I paint, sometimes it's almost um, it's almost like well, there's always music going on, and it's almost a dance move. So you know, one color oh, will go to another okay. painting, that will go to this one.
2: Mm-hmm. A lot of times,
3: people think, well, oh yeah, he's sitting there concentrating on this one scene, and no, not at all. I'll mm-hmm. I'll start painting. And if I mix up that color that sings to the painting that's on the other side of the room, I will get up and I'll I'll go over there and slap it on that one, and then mm-hmm. and then the whole thing mm-hmm. kind of starts, and it just becomes. Um, it becomes kind of like a dance move. It becomes a kind of it just. Poetry. And what are you
0: listening to? What kind of music do you listen to?
3: Uh it's it's just as diverse as my art. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's it's pretty crazy. I um, I do have a Sunday ritual that starts off with classical music, and then uh, I don't know. By the evening, of course, it's dance music, and you know, it depends. It yeah. really does. It just goes all over the place.
0: So seven to eight thirty, and then what? What happens? Oh, after after eight thirty.
3: I actually, uh, at, eight, at, at the light changes at that point, and I really kind of start working the other things. I mm-hmm. work the other things in for another two hours. Okay. Um, I have an I have a an elderly mother, and I go over and cook breakfast for her, and mm. we hang out for two hours every morning. Mm. And then by noon, after the view and after all the stuff that we watch every day, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I come back and uh, and go back at it again, and it's just, yeah. that's open studio time. So when I go back at after noon... I just whatever you want to do. And it's yeah. usually because I've been thinking about everything through breakfast that I can like go back into the studio and I go like all right, I'm attacking that thing this time. And I'll grab whatever I'm attacking and make that the priority. And that will go on depending on what's going on. If I have something scheduled. And it usually gets me to like four o'clock or so. Then you know, call, make sure she's fed for dinner. Yeah. And uh if she is, then I go and grab whatever I want, come back and then it's usually kind of like a little time to watch some sports and stuff. And then <laughs> uh, I like to grab a bourbon and go back to the studio and paint adult paintings at that time. Like, And I'm not saying it's adult like in, you know, the though it does happen too but it just gives you a chance to right yeah i want to know I mean,
1: more <laughs> <I> know. <laughs> it's, it's, fun
3: time. it's more more of a you know, after yeah 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 exactly it's painting after dark exactly <laughs> it's exactly what happens you know it's more of adult time you have a couple adult beverages you know yeah. and and uh and it gets a little looser and uh and that's amazing because yeah. when i when i collapse and that's what happens pretty much on a re- regular basis when i collapse from working i uh you know, take a shower, go to bed, and get up in the morning with new eyes, and then I get to look at the work that I did last night, and I go like, "Oh, is that good? I don't <laughs> know, felt good when I left. It did not too good now." Or sometimes I'm surprised and go like, "Wow, that's something special," and then the process begins again. Wow. You know, so I mean, that's that's it. I'm I'm, I'm an athlete by. By choice, back in the day, that's mm-hmm. what you know. And I, I was brought up in the army. You know, my father was a, mm-hmm. d- was a drill sergeant, so there's a certain amount of discipline that that I've always had, and it's a certain amount of discipline that I appreciate now, especially as I have yeah. gotten older, because it follow it leads me. Uh, so you know, this this is a perfect way for me to work because it 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 allows me to be disciplined. I, I was a gym rat when I was in, with an ath- athlete. I was always yeah. in the gym. Now I'm always in the studio.
0: Yeah, so. that's really. That's an important uh, point as we we talk about the process, and your process kind of stems from childhood and having a military background with lots of discipline and structure. Um, So what if you have it? Do you have advice on, um, you know, sometimes, you know, we see people getting a little, I know I'm scattered um, with my work, so am I. <laughs> mm-hmm. so am I. Right, there's always it's a level wrong. of that, right? But like, how do maybe what would you would you know? I know you do some work mm-hmm. in the ArtWorks program yeah. and with. Um, I know we're going to talk about the other work with the incarcerated
3: youth, yeah, the mm-hmm. youth
0: incarcerated yeah. uh, program. But um, what? How do you um, do? You teach that? Like, yeah. some tell us a about that.
3: Well, the kids are. Uh, let me tell. You, my kids are special. Uh, mm-hmm. They are kids from the age of 14 to 19, um, all young men. And they're basically they're incarcerated youths from this uh, from Massachusetts in general. So, you know, they're not all from the Cape. And uh, so, uh, and a lot of times from the inner city. So a lot of kids, the first time being out in the woods, out in Brewster, they're out in Nash- at Nickerson State Park, mm-hmm. and uh, it's uh, it's a lovely setting. But they're still incar- incarcerated, you know. So for me, it gives them, it gives me a chance to kind of reconnect with youth, which I I think is super important because mm-hmm. at 58, soon to be 59, uh, the 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 gap of of where I am to where they see is huge mm. and so they teach me they teach me every time I go um, and I've been trying to teach them not only to paint but how to just problem solve how to get through life you know a lot of times these young men uh, they just need somebody to to kind of care
1: mm-hmm. that's
3: really the bottom line just do, do you care and I do I very much care about them they're, they're wonderful young men so
1: so when you go in have they is it are they experiencing art for the first time some of them some of them yeah
3: some mm. of them i found some great talent too um uh, mm, you like know that. uh they're once once you, they open because it, mm. they're you know they've had a, they've had issues that you know that just they won't they won't open up very mm-hmm. easily but once they do you know they're 14 through 19 year old boys and mm-hmm. it's there's no difference to them than anybody else you know and uh and i kind of treat them like 14 to 19 year old boys you know <laughs> and because uh, i'm even though i'm 59 or 58 right now but soon 59 <laughs> um, I feel like I'm a 14 to 19 year old boy I mean that still comes out of me quite a bit so we have a great time I've tried to explain to him that this is this this process of learning art is one that can get you through your term that if you invest in yourself you'll never get anything bad out of that any mm-hmm. everything good will come out of you and so to get them to trust themselves is really where it's at and to get them to open their eyes and see. The world in a different way through a lens of an artist if you can open up your eyes and see like I see then you'll see your opportunities and you'll see how you can put things together for the rest of your life you'll never have job issues you'll never have any of those kind of things you'll always be able to put things because you won't be afraid of them so that's kind of what I preach to them and then I try to support that by making sure I'm there every week and if they they want uh you know if they say I want to do portraiture this week I don't say no I say yeah let's do portraiture this week one kid t- this week blew me away he wanted to paint a tree paint a tree he didn't want to paint a painting of a tree he wanted to paint a tree so I said do it. I love it yeah, do yeah. It. So don't think don't paint a live one go let's paint a couple of dead ones first before we mm-hmm. see what we're doing and he went out and he did his thing and I, I went out and followed him and said geez you know that's horrible <laughs> and he looked at me he said yeah it really is and I said but what you did on that other tree is amazing how come And he said, I don't know. He said, but I didn't, I wasn't thinking when I did the other tree. I just, when I I was thinking about this tree, and I said, well, maybe you need to stop thinking so much, huh? Start reacting on what you're doing, because what you made over here is art, and what you're making over here isn't art, and can you, can you see the difference of it? And he actually looked at me and said, yes, I get this, I get this. He goes, even though I didn't, I wasn't really thinking, I was reacting, I was responding to it, the tree, the vines that were wrapped around the tree needed color because they were the same color as the tree. He said, so that's why I changed the, the color of the vine around the tree. I said, that's what art does. It, it, it moves mm-hmm. you. It moves you from one place to the other. But the other one that you try to paint a face on the dead tree, it doesn't look like a face. You don't see anything, you know. So sometimes art that you think you're making isn't the art that you're making. It's the art that you made naturally is is, is the art of you. And you have to accept it. You have to be able to see it. Open right. your eyes. So it's been amazing. It's Like I said, I learn every single day when I'm with them.
0: I bet. And why do you think this is going to be a silly question for you, but I'd love to get your feedback on this. But why why should arts matter to these these boys?
3: Because they don't have anything else. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, being an artist is, you know, and I I tell them this from the very beginning. It's 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 not a it's a very lonely road. It's a very painful road. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's but it's worth it for me. It might not be worth it for any of them, but it's, it, was, it was worth it for me. I, it, and then I told them also that art, you don't choose art. Art chooses you. So if you all think you're going to be an artist, because I didn't think I was going to be an artist. I, I always just wanted to be an artist. So it chose me. And here I am in front of you because it chose me. It's not because I wanted this. I never planned it. It's just its the way it is. And so life has a way of doing that. So I hope I answered your question. But Yeah, you yeah. did.
0: And so, which raises another question.
3: <laughs> That's what I'm here for.
0: So, when did art choose you? Because I, I, we noted that you went to Mass Art, which I also went to. Yeah, mass well, art. I did
3: that late <laughs> in life. I did Mass Art very late in life. Mm-hmm. And there's, uh, there's crazy stories that go with that. Of course, I actually did not get accepted to the program. And then um, I went in to tell Jackie Reeves that I didn't get accepted to the program. And I ran into this wonderful woman, Barbara Baker, and she said, you know, I told her oh, I didn't get accepted I'm going to tell my friend Jackie Reeves that I didn't get accepted and I was the one who talked her into going into the program and well, I, you know at least tried to convince her which she did and I'm happy for that and um, so we uh, we started talking she said how serendipitous I never saw your name I did that and the other and so I was like she said you know if I put your art in front of the professors and they like it would you come back I said I'd go home right now I was in Provence, so I'll go home right now and grab it and come back if that's what you'd like and she said no just come back tomorrow so I came back the next day, I put the work down and I got a chance to let uh, George Creamer and Jim Peters look at it and uh, Vera Ayatollah, the, the, the three art, uh, professors at the graduate program. And they looked at it and they said, well, we'll call you. And they called me in a couple of days and said, we'd love to have you. So wow. that's kind of how I got into it. And that's kind of the real, that's, that's, that's how art pr- cho- uh, kind of chooses you. It, it, yeah. it has a way of saying, OK, you can't run. And if you do run, we'll find you and you're going to do what we want you to do anyways. So, uh, you know, the business fell apart, the the Joe's closed, uh, you know, it's the job of my life closed, you mm-hmm. know, um, we had family problems and, it, it, and we had to close it. So what do I do now? You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and how do I handle that? You mm-hmm. know, and so, you know, that became important for me to sit down and paint, get this release of what the sting out. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so it just continues to choose you. Yeah, I. I graduated from high school. I went, went to Southeastern Mass University to play basketball and goof around. I wasn't going for an education. I was going to, to mm-hmm. find a space to live between then and finding a job, is how I looked at it. <laughs> and the professors pulled me over and said, hey, you're a pretty good basketball player, but you're not going to be in the pros, you know? And I'm like, yeah, that's for sure. And they said, well, you know, you're good at this, and why don't you pay more attention? And, of course, I was a sassy kid, and I was out of control, and I was like, yeah, whatever. And then one of them grabbed me and said, come on, you're coming to my house tonight. We're going to have dinner at my house. And uh, uh, her name was Roseanne Radozovich. And uh, I went, went and she introduced me to Nelson Stevenson, and we talked, and she's like, you're special. Remember, you're special. Mm -hmm. And then I went back uh, the next week. Another professor grabbed me, and I went to his house, and he said, you know, you could do this. You could be a teacher, and I'm like, why are these people giving me all this special <laughs> attention? I had no clue. I was just a, just a silly like those kids that I'm teaching, you know, yeah. just a, just just a silly kid. And uh, when the when the three of them got together and pulled me into their office and said, Hey, get it together, pal. You know, you're wasting. I said, Wow, I think I got something here. Mm. And uh, then. Applied to a couple of graduate schools. Didn't get in because my grades were so poor at that point. I mean, the, my <laughs> portfolios were getting accepted, but my grades weren't. And then I got the job with the airline. I said, great, I'll travel around the world. I'll, I'll go to the Louvre. I'll go to all the places that, you know, that I need to go to keep my education mm-hmm. strong. And I'll continue to paint, and I'll try to drop these uh, paintings all over the world. That was my thought at that point. That didn't work out as well as I planned. The time flew by, and I didn't get a chance to really get all the paintings, all the places I wanted to. But I did apply to. Um, there was a Budweiser grant for African Americans, and so what you did was you applied one time, and it gave you like the top six schools uh, uh, to to go to the uh, graduate schools. I got accepted to Cal Arts, uh-huh. and I went out to Cal Arts, and uh, I met Mark Bradford, and he was showing me around the campus, and I was like, hey, you know. Like, this is really whack. These, they've, this place is crazy. And I said, you know, this is East. Co- I'm an East Coast painter. This is a West Coast school. They were doing conceptual art that was, you know, they didn't put any paint on a canvas. And I'm like, dude, I, I got to paint. You know, that's what I'm here for. I want to paint. And he's like, no, I got this hoop dress thing that I'm doing right now with the Lakers hoop dress. And I got this hoop around. And, and he showed me. And I'm like, okay, this is wacky. You know, I mean, I'm, you West Coasters, whatever. And decided I'm not going to go to the school.
0: Do you have family members that other family members that are artistic or lean
3: uh, towards really? uh, Well, yeah. yeah. So my grandmother uh, was a seamstress and that kind of stuff. So I was familiar with hands. My father was always good in the garden and that kind of stuff. So, but my older brother—I had an older brother who passed away at nineteen. Uh, he was one of the ones that I followed, and that's probably another reason why I do what I do because he did—he did this. Mm. My first ex- experience with art was going to Barnstable High School, trying to find my brother. He was a senior. I was a freshman. So I just followed whatever he did. I just just followed him like a puppy. And uh, I go to the art class, and the teacher lied to me. And he said, Ed Bolton, absolutely wonderful man. God rest his soul. He said to me, he said, your brother's good at this. It's in the family. You're good at it, too. Sit down. Let me show you something. (laughs) I sat down, and he showed me a few things. And I said, if there's anything I can beat my brother on, I will do it. You know, And so I was just in there every day. And it was the only class that I always got. A's from the beginning through, but I was never one of the top artists in the in the class. There was always some, so I never really felt like I, you know, everybody else was getting scholastic awards and I was getting honorable mention if I got anything, you know, and so so there was, the parallel of my career is really bizarre. I, to this day, I find myself not getting accepted to things and, you know, I, I get accepted by back door around the corner or here, there, or another way, but it's, it seems like it just doesn't go straight. Nothing goes anywhere straight, it kind of.
0: You have some challenges. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) But it probably informs the work.
3: Maybe more than I'd like it. (laughs) But, yeah.
1: Don't you find, though, that the the kids that you were in high school with who were like the scholastic art winners are probably not artists and have never fulfilled... I think that being, quote-unquote, good at art and being a good artist are two different things. Two big different things.
3: But I... I'm gonna say this, and it's gonna blow you away. Not happening in my class. My Barnstable High School. We had, uh, we had three people who went through Rhode Island School of Design. We had uh, one another one who got gentleman went to Swain. Uh, they are doing incredible things. Oh, that's uh, great. They're doing, and and we're all still friends. We still all talk to each other. And it's, so the the networking that that's where I've actually learned this the whole networking thing is because of my friends from high school, trying to keep in touch with them and then realizing that we have to make this movement mm. as a group. It, it can't be done as an individual, mm. not anymore, especially from the little village of, you know, Osterville and from this, the regionality of, of Cape Cod, right. you know. So we don't have a big voice, and mm-hmm. especially mid-Cape, which is a, a big bone of my contention that somehow we need to, I mean— Provincetown is fabulous, and it's the oldest history of, you know, community of artists ever. And with that, well, in the United States, and with that, it's, it's, a, it's a destination. It's an art destination. But we have to figure out a way to make people understand that it's everywhere. I mean, people don't come to Cape Cod to buy art. They come to enjoy the beaches. They might pick up a, tr- a trinket here and there, but they're, they're not going to buy, you know, a, a big piece of artwork. But they go to Provincetown to do it to do it they also live between Provincetown and New York or yeah so so there's there's something there's something that we have to figure out to get down here
0: yeah it's something I think about all the time because I go down to Provincetown I was just there over the weekend and it's like it's just a different um, way of retailing and connecting people and it's got that cachet that it's really Interesting and a challenge to figure out how we pour that down (laughs) towards the rest of the Cape because there are so many really interesting. Artists and um, it's the, happening slightly. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's happening. It's truro. But it
3: Wellfleet have... is happening now. Yes. Wealthfleet more so, uh, yeah. which is which is another wonderful little little town. Mm-hmm. It's it, so it is happening, um, and you know, you, you have some places popping up in Dennis now that they are that's true. You yeah. know, they're, but I think what has to happen is the education overall of you know the locals. We need mm-hmm. to the locals who who are somewhat. Supportive of the arts need to understand how huge they are to this economy, mm-hmm. and how how much more that their children will learn mm-hmm. the, the the diverse ways that they'll learn. Not you know not not always through the eight, the, the three. Well, it's not the ways reading, writing, and arithmetic are a little different now, uh, showing my age. But yeah, you know there's a different way. There's another mm-hmm. economy that that, that can mm-hmm. be built from this, and that mm-hmm. their support is needed mm-hmm. because that's the only way it's going to get down here. And by putting right people in the right positions as well. Right. I mean, you know, you know, it, it, we can't be caught up on just sailboats and, and, and you know, s- shells and sharks. sharks. Yeah, you know, we need, we, it, 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 not that it can't be a part of the conversation, <laughs> right. but it doesn't need to always lead our conversation to make us just one-sided, you know. Right. We need to be able to show how contemporary that's art right. fits in That's right. The edgier the
0: side of Cape Cod, sometimes. No No, sometimes. Doubt, about it. no yeah. doubt about
3: it. Because we have poor people here. It's not all about yeah. the rich people. It's not about always beauty. Uh, real art is real art. So right. we should, you know, we should, we should really kind of embrace that. And I've always said that if we had a contemporary art center in the center mm. of Cape Cod, it might be a successful uh, venue. I love that. That's idea. where it's at. I think that's what we need to do. Yeah. You know.
0: That's a great idea.
3: Thanks.
0: <laughs> I'm writing that down. Um, that's a really interesting um, proposition to, to put out there because I think the cape is missing that. No doubt about it. And, um, and people want it. So
1: I would actually <laughs> like to go back to uh, teaching because you're talking about, obviously, uh, everybody knows that the Barnstable high school art department is ha- traditionally and currently is phenomenal. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so how having supportive uh good foundations for art education how has that influenced you as a teacher and also as an artist?
3: It's everything. So <clears throat> graduate from Barnstable High School. I was fortunate enough to be in a program called uh, er- uh it's college now, so I actually My grades weren't that great in high school, found a way to liaison between the two. And uh, it got me into the program. While I was in the program, there was an artist from UMass Amherst named Carl Lopes. He was teaching at Southeastern Mass in the summer program. And then uh, so we got to meet each other. And uh, we talked a lot about art. And at the end of the program, he says to me, well, I just got to uh, uh, I put an application into Barnstable High School to become the the, the new. I said, "Well, you're re- replacing Ed Bolton," and I said, "And he's, you know, you got big shoes to fill. This man is he's 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 a guru. He's you know he's had all these great artists." And he was like, "Yeah, I'm looking forward to it." And I, I looked at, it, I was like, "You are the perfect person for this job, really, mm-hmm. you know." And uh, so, to make this long story shorter, I. Uh, Carl and I stayed in touch somewhat. He started working at the at the school. I came and actually helped him relocate cuz they were going through building at that time and I helped him relocate and we stayed we kept in touch. And then um I went and flew. I did everything that I, You know, I got got through college and I went and flew did my 15 years there. Uh and then I came back to the Cape and when I got married, divorced and came back to the Cape and um when I went to graduate school, Carl retires from Barnstable High School. And after we, so we got back together and said, let's do a collaboration. So we've we've Mm -hmm. collaborated on some work. Uh, That's pretty much how the network of Barnstable High School has helped me develop because it's always been a support system, you Mm -hmm. know. So when I've, you know, I've always had somebody to bump my ideas off of. I've always had somebody who would say to me, you know what, Joe? I think you're onto something, or Joe, you're out of your mind on this one, you know. (laughs)
0: First of all, I want to say that I'm a big fan of Carl Lopes as yeah. well mm-hmm. because he's on my board ah. and I do think he's amazing and very um inspiring yes. to uh to work with. Uh and you mentioned your collaboration with him and I have seen some of the the pieces that have come out of that and mm-hmm. I think that's really interesting. Can you tell us more about um, some of because I know it's not just him; it's some other artists too that you've been yeah, working with. Like, how does that? Oof, it's crazy. Know? Like, it's so I give good. you a piece of paper and you start, and then you give it back. <laughs> Sometimes it works like that. Um, okay.
3: So, uh, a lot of times we kind of like, well, Carl and I had started off together. We started off together, and you know, we were talking about how our process and how you know I, I'm very much into dialogue. I, I like to have conversations with my paintings. They they tell me what they want. So, and, uh, so we started this conversation about exactly how dialogue works and, you know, he's got his way of thinking of it and I have my way of it. And I would say to him, well, you know, you're projecting, you know, you're projecting on the painting. And he's like, no, I'm not. And I'm like, yeah, you are. You know I mean? I'm, I'm (laughs) listening to it and you're projecting. You've already got it figured out how we're going to have this thing framed and what gloss (laughs) and all that. I'm like, and I'm waiting for it to tell me. And so we battled the first like two weeks with just like I would do something he'd kind of go across it and i'd he'd do something and i'd go across it and then
0: because you're very different very very mm, different very different. Very different.
3: Very di- but actually we're very much we have a we have a very uh, a a line that's very much the same uh but uh, it's, it's how so well that, that we both place we're all we're both about placement like uh, there's a there's a foundation in each painting, so we believe in uh the same kind of way of putting a piece together but that's it. We just we just both have a feeling of, okay, we we need a solid, you know, a solid design has to be has to be in state and you have to be able to the piece has to flow. So we do have some some really basic, you know, bottom line things that we both do. But right after there, it just goes left and right. Yeah. And it's just, uh, you know, it's so the battle was phenomenal.
0: So why do that? What do you learn through that?
3: Um, you learn a lot actually what he what he taught me in this was really to to look at your finished product like you know he's if you've seen his, you know his work I mean it's it's mm-hmm. always extremely finished I mean yeah. there's, there's, it's just a it's a, you know I showed him one thing about like how to do the pour mm-hmm. to, for the gloss finish and then from there he turned around and, and just exceeded on how the how to pour it so now whenever if, if I ever do a pour I ask him for it i don't I don't even do it my own because he's much better at it so he's just a meticulous yeah. wonderful artist that I'm not. I'm not I'm not meticulous. I'm very, you know, spontaneous. And I do find times to sharpen up and, and settle down. But overall, I don't I'm not fine through the whole thing. So it's ongoing learning. It's yeah. it's, it's kind of like on job training. You know, you, you're you're kind of doing it as you go along and you don't know what you're going to learn. But you yeah. learn you take something with you. every. It's single almost
0: time. like art school yes. in a lot of ways. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You work on those projects together, and you get a new perspective, and the professor pushes you to do that, and you're like,
3: oh, I don't, I don't really want to do this. <laughs> I don't like mm-hmm. them as an
0: artist. Mm-hmm. I don't want to work with that. And then you're like, oh, my gosh, oh, you know?
1: Yeah. It, it's so – Interesting to think about you uh, working because I would look at your work and say that you're emotional, um, emotional artist, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then looking at like Carlos, very linear. Mm-hmm. So that's but, and fascinating. And I need that, right? Mm. Right. So
3: you know, here you, you know, I just didn't want to be the, the emotional puddle that every time somebody <laughs> comes by, is like, oh, there's another Joe Diggs. It's flapping <laughs> all over the place. So there's a certain amount of control that that mm. that they brought to it. And actually, even my mentors in call in graduate school, Keith Washington, incredible artist said to me he says you know you've got all these wonderful things but if you learn how to condense them and and kind of get your message across sharpen your pencil you know Mm -hmm. so that when you're talking about a racial issue or you're talking about that you don't particularly need to knock the person over the head with the brick Mm -hmm. but you need to make it so that they feel the pain when they leave so and I Mm -hmm. was kind of like yeah how you how do you do that well he broke out one of his paintings which was uh, they're all murder scenes but Mm -hmm. if you look at them they're all just beautiful landscapes and then the caption is, you know, 19, you know, 32, where John Smith got hung, mm-hmm. and you sit there and go, oh, mm-hmm. oh, you know, but you never leave that. I mean, it sticks. It's it sticks with you. So of course, when I did uh, some of my James Bird Jr. pieces, that came re-registered into my head, and I was like, okay, do, what am I saying here? Am I do I want to show body parts? No, I, I don't want to show body parts. I don't want anybody to run from this. I want mm-hmm. people to run to it. So Mm I tried to paint it as beautifully as I could, but at the same time, put the burn in it, put the put the halos of of where his chalk line bodies were so that, you know, so that once they understand the the, the, what all these symbols are, that it will truly resonate. And to see someone come to tears over Mm -hmm. the piece, uh, like like what happened in March, you know, in the opening of of the show in in Brattleboro was, uh, was the ultimate compliment. You know, the, mm-hmm. the woman actually looked at me and said, this is unbelievable. And I kind of gave a little hug and it's a great feeling. I walked mm-hmm. away saying, "I've, you know, it's a hell of a show just because I've was, I was successful. Mm-hmm. I'm getting emotional thinking about
0: it. Is that um, a project that one of your most proud projects that you've worked on?
3: Oh, I don't think so. Well, I yeah. hope not. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I'm sorry. You know, I think that I, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, I, I I go to work every day. I think the best project I have is the one that I'm getting ready to do. Okay. Uh, you know, yeah. um, the best piece is the next one. Yeah. And it really is. Uh,
0: do you have something right now that you're thinking about?
3: Yeah, I've got a couple. I've got a couple of uh, things cooking. I've been uh, I've been working with another uh, another set of language. Actually, it's uh, pushing paint around. Uh, and finding ways to kind of excavate it's a lot more it's it's a little bit more sculptural mm. um and i've been trying to really find a way to be paint happiness mm. paint I like to paint the things that I, that I want to attract so there's a lot of there 's a lot of happiness and love uh, those kind of things uh, i don't want to be that person who's always you know banging the drum about. You know inequities and mm-hmm. you no, know, it's not human. I want to be. I want to paint human. I want to paint human feelings. I want to paint um, about my experience, which mm-hmm. I don't want to be always dark. You know, so you know, I paint about love. You know, and there's nothing. Is it
0: hard to do that? Very hard for me. How come?
3: because uh, it lines falls on that <laughs> sentimental <laughs> sentimental stuff, and and yeah. I get corny, and it's you know, I had yeah. to give a painting away the other day. Just because it was an old girlfriend, a painting from a, an old girlfriend, I kept on trying to paint this wonderful scene that we were in the Turks and Caicos, so trying to try trying, trying, trying. and try and try. And one day I said to myself, You can't. Yeah. It's no longer going to be, it's not there. If that was something that happened. And I, I just gave it to the, a couple who supported me. They've, they've supported me with some other art. And I looked at them, I said, You know, you guys are the perfect couple. You're, you're in love. You know, take this thing, get it away from me, you (laughs) know, so that I can go on and love, so I can love again. You know, because like I said, everything's got a beginning, a middle and an end. And you just have to accept it, even though we don't want to. I learned that when I was 16, when my brother died at 19. And then we had another Craig that died at 20. Mm -hmm. So, you know, these these, everything, even though even if you're young and you die, you had a beginning, a middle and an end. And Mm -hmm. that's uh, that's so Mm. not to make it morbid, but. That's that's kind of a philosophy. And did you category.
0: feel relief when you gave the painting away, or it Most sounds definitely. like you've done that before? But it's hard. This was the
3: first time, actually. Oh, this was okay. really the first time that I gave someone something that meant that much to me. Yeah. Um, and no, it actually felt wonderful. It felt very, 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 very good. Because, uh, like I said, it's got a good home now, and it's uh,
0: uh, and it uh, will live on yeah. in a different way. Right.
3: Right. Yeah. And I don't have any children. Uh, so, you know, a lot of this is my male machosmo. I'm, I'm, you know, yeah. I'm spreading seeds all over the place. I'm dropping bombs everywhere. Just say, <laughs> Hey, take one, get one, sell one, buy one, just get them out, you know? And,
2: <laughs>
0: right. And
3: I keep making them and hopefully, you know, these since, are your babies. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and so
0: giving one away is like giving a piece.
3: Yeah. Of g- I gave a little piece of myself to someone else yeah. who, who I actually adore. I, I thank them so much for supporting me. I mean, they, yeah. they bought a few of my pieces and, you know, it was there. their so they're a major player in my life, and I just wanted to show some appreciation. Yeah. it was the right it was really just the right thing to do to the right people and it it helped them it helped me and I'm, I'm hoping that they yeah. I hope that they just love it as much as I did yeah you
0: know? so oh, thank you for sharing that yeah, making me a little teary <laughs> 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 and and thank you for for coming
1: on thank the, the podcast.
3: yeah, thank you very much.
1: Been, been a great conversation truly about the process today. yes
0: yeah really interesting mm-hmm. and it's um i think one of my takeaways amy is um just thinking about like how you've uh, you know you're identifying opportunities constantly through your connections with your community and with your history and um and just in even like with a, a art supporter who you were able to, you know, kind of um, connect something that was a part of you that you, you know, shared with them. I, I just think that's always keeping open to the process mm-hmm. and being open to. Um, to still continuing to learn and to also give back to your community through the great work that you're doing with Thank these you. um, young men, so I appreciate if that. I, if I
3: can say, if yeah. it wasn't for places like the cultural center, yes. if it wasn't for places you know mm-hmm. like like Kituut Center for the Arts, you right. know, you know for for what you do, Julie. If it wasn't for people like you and Amy, um, things would be stagnant. We got to keep this thing rolling. That's
2: right. I can't
3: wait until August third, where I can have you know. There's going to be not only this, the show at Joe's is not only going to be my paintings, but it's actually going to have the musicians in it that that played at Joe's. So there's going to be blues. There'll be dancing. Ah, it will be cool. a, it will be an, an affirmation of life and a mm-hmm. reunion of something that was fun, mm. and so it's going to bring a new twist on things in August 3rd when people come in and start dancing in a gallery as opposed to just looking at at a painting is going to be something special so I hope you can make it I hope that everybody shows up and oh uh, yeah and uh, I really do appreciate having this opportunity to sit and talk to you guys
0: yeah
1: we loved it yeah
3: thank you
1: Thank you so much for listening. And thank you again to today's guest, visual artist Joe Diggs, for this episode of the Creative Exchange
0: Podcast. I'm Amy Davies, Executive Director of Provincetown Community Television. And I'm Julie Wake, Executive Director of the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod. Until next time, arts matter. Support for the Creative Exchange Podcast is made possible
2: by Delbrook JKS. Music for the Creative Exchange Podcast is the work of Jordan Renzi produced in association with Billingsgate Records by Jordan Renzi and Andrew Staker at Big Red Studios in Wellfleet. The Creative Exchange podcast is brought to you by the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod, Provincetown Community Television, and the Cultural Center of Cape Cod in South Yarmouth.
1: In the desert, to the oasis, this time. No, this time And this time There's no mistake No, this time And this time I'm not afraid
3: This song.